you know, it ended up being that every time I had a phone call with him, it was like, yeah, I want to sell my house and buy a bigger one. I want to sell a house right. and buy a bigger one. I said, you know, it sounds like this is what you want. Is that fair? Or, you know, do you need to talk to your wife about it? Like, maybe you should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an important conversation to have. <laughs> the most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Welcome to the ILMB Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every Friday, I talk to a rookie who's making waves in the industry to find out how they're succeeding in today's competitive market. Today on the show, I have Isabel Sanico. Isabel was one of the brokers that I took through my Five Steps to Five Million program last year, which was actually the precursor to our Rookie to Rockstar program. So we no longer do the Five Steps to Five Million program we have now is much more robust. In any case, last year I started working with her, she did eight million and then had this opportunity to go work with another broker who's very experienced in the type of clients that she wanna work with. She really likes investment clients and creative problem solving. And so this episode is all about if you get an opportunity to work with a mentor, I talked to Isabel, what kind of questions you should ask, how do you evaluate the opportunity and why money should only be one factor when deciding mentorship opportunity. Because as Isabel has indicated, this has been an absolute accelerant for her business. And so this is not something you're going to run into every day. It's not like everybody listening is going to get this kind of mentorship opportunity. But if you get one, you need to think, you know, is this worth doing? And what is the trade-offs? And should I do it? And so we really dive into that and always love chatting with Isabel and seeing what she's up to. And I love that her career is continuing to go and expand. A couple quick things before we jump into this episode. First, I'd love to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application document collection submission platform. Very easy to use for borrowers as well as on the broker side. It's really simple because it's got this thing called Smart Docs, figures out what documents your clients need. It's integrated with Lender Spotlight, so you can look up lender rates and guidelines. And then when you go to hit submit, it's pulling the data from your application into the submission and also reminds you of any guidelines that you may have missed so that you improve your funding ratio. Check out finmo.ca. And in the Ask the Expert segment today, I talked to Ruven from Deeded about finding your tribe. It's really important to find your tribe. Check out this episode. Hey, Isabel, welcome back to the show. Hi, Scott. It's so good to be back. <laughs> yeah, we haven't chatted in a while. So we were oh, talking wow, before yeah. we turned on the recorder. So mm-hmm. it's pretty cool some of the things you're doing. And I think it's going to be an interesting episode for people to listen to. But let's do this first. Let's talk about kind of where you ended off last year. And then you made some transition. You found an amazing opportunity kind of mm-hmm. the end of 2021. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So how are you doing first, I guess, before I get into your... I'm, I'm still like just talking <laughs> yeah, about business. No, how are you okay. doing? How's life and how's I'm business? I'm great. I am good. I've actually got two fur babies now. And <laughs> nice. What kind? I got them in July. So I've got an American bully. And then shortly after him, my boyfriend and I made this like really impulsive decision to also get on a second one. And she's a Caucasian shepherd. Right. She's from a Russian descent, I believe. So there's not many here, but they are absolutely crazy, but they're adorable. <laughs> and I <Right>. love them. <laughs> We've got two dogs yeah. just recently too. I went away. My wife yeah. said, nobody knew the dog. I'm like, well, why don't you? But they're kind of fun. So, okay. Are, so yeah. tell me about your last year. So how did business and stuff go for you last year before we talk about kind of some of the cool things you're doing now? Oh, for sure. Last year, it was great. Honestly, I've considered last year my first official year being an agent. If some of you guys have tuned into my, you know, first episodes, I've mentioned that, you know, my first six to eight months in the industry was more about like searching for the right place. 
And last year was really, I think, my first full year, like diving into the industry, doing all the prospecting, doing all the learning at the same time, doing all the relationship building, all the client files, obviously, you know, closing everything. And it was amazing. And then I don't think I could have gone through it without your support either. without the program that I was part of with you. So well, you're too kind, of, but you, you know, you're impact. a hard worker and you're, you are the kind of person who you get a good idea, you take action on it. So I think that, uh, so. <laughs> so that's really yeah. good. So last year was really sort of like your first year. So what did you do last year for production? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, no, no, not at all. I believe I ended at 8 million before I started hitting sort of like the whole kind of dip, you know, in being a business owner, there's that highs and lows and stuff. So I think I was at about 8 million. And honestly, I didn't think I would hit that. <laughs> That's alone. fantastic though. Yeah. <laughs> and I hit that, I think as of July or August, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's where I was at. And then that's kind of where things started tapering off a little bit. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, time to kind of focus on myself. And then boom, this new kind of opportunity just came up. <laughs> I didn't look for it. I wasn't looking for anything. And you know, I do believe everything happens for a reason. So, yeah. so just so people are listening, I mean, you'll work with any client that needs help, but the clients that you really Absolutely. get a charge from is investor clients and helping investors get real estate. So if you have a niche, like if, if yeah. you look at your business, so what percentage of your clients would fall into that category, do you think? I honestly do believe, if anything, I used to think it was like 50-50, but I believe right now, based on like where I've been working on, the questions that I've been getting after reflecting back on last year, I think I'm more like 60, 70% really investor focused clients, ones who actually want to build a portfolio or build their net worth in real estate. Um, mm-hmm. That's where a majority of my conversations were taking place. And then the first time loan buyers, they were coming from you know my realtor partners and also my friends, referring me out to their friends, my nursing friends, referring me out to their right. nursing colleagues and stuff. So, so you had these kind um, of two paths that were going at the same time, yeah. the, the investor one. So yeah. then you mentioned to me sort of the end of 2021, you got an opportunity mm-hmm. to get sort of a mentorship opportunity yeah. with somebody who does massive volume in that niche. Yeah. So tell me about, Absolutely. maybe you mentioned like who that was, and then I'd love to know your mm-hmm. process because some of you guys listening here, if you're new, this is not something everybody's going to get for an opportunity. But if you get one, it's worth looking something at. Something to consider. It's something yeah. to consider. And so you got this amazing opportunity. And you like the number of files and stuff you're working on now is crazy. And the experience you're getting yeah. is, is insane. And so all that goes up. But walk me through kind of who it was and then what you went through to make mm-hmm. the decision to be like, hey, this is going to be a good opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So actually, our team name is going to be the Gibson Mortgage Team. His name is Ron. And we were always under the same brokerage anyway, Pineapple Financial, previously known as CLC Network. So he's always been part of it. I joined Pineapple in 2020, end of 2020. And really what happened was we kind of got in touch and introduced and met virtually through a mutual agent that joined Pineapple last year. And then we kind of lost touch in a way where it's like, you know, we didn't really know each other. So there wasn't really much to talk about. (laughs) And then I guess we got in touch again towards the end of last year. And then we just got talking and it seemed like, you know, what he was looking for really aligned with my bigger goals, my bigger picture goals. And by bigger picture goals, I don't mean just my business and my career. I mean, like life goals, like, why am I doing this? And for what? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, it's not just like, I do, do I want to be just a mortgage agent or mortgage broker for the next, you know, 20 years. No, it was more like, you know, I want to build this avenue of my career. But on the other side, I also want to start investing. And I want to learn all about investing and private lending and just have those kind of two avenues to secure a future for 
you know, my future family and I. So Mm -hmm. that's what I mean by like bigger picture goals. It really just, to me, sort of aligned. And when we got talking more about, you know, what it is that I'd be doing and what he's looking for, it seemed like the perfect fit. And, you know, for me being still a new agent, there's still a lot for me to learn in this industry. There was still a lot. And doing it alone takes time. It's a nice, I guess, process to do on your own. But when you have like somebody that can mentor you, it kind of just speeds it all up a little, a little bit more. You know, I found myself always last year searching for answers, you know, in our knowledge base or database, searching for answers on different kinds of files, you know, things like construction loans, business for self, like stated income, be lending. Like I was having to learn all of that on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm with a team, I'm with a broker who has that knowledge up front, but at the same time, I'm working on files that require that information. So I'm retaining it so much easier and I'm actually learning it in real time because it's not, you know, files from the past because things have changed. Like rules change all the time and lenders. You you cannot, (laughs) I I say this, you cannot learn underwriting from a book because it's too dynamic. It's like a football game and every quarter the rules change. And so if you're not actively on files, you're going to get behind very quickly. So basically, so it sounds like you had an opportunity to go from, okay, I was doing everything all myself, getting traction, getting it going. And then all of a sudden opportunity came up where it's like, Hey, so this Ron Gibson mortgage team, does he Mm -hmm. work with a lot of investors? And is he in that kind of like, what percentage of his business would you say is in that type of stuff? Wow. It's definitely a big percentage. I don't know if I can actually say a number because I don't know how accurate it's going to (laughs) be. But he does do a lot of investors, of investor clients. I mean, his background, at least his history, like he's got a really solid network. I mean, that's what I see. He's got really trusting partners, trusted partners in the business as well. And I think that's what makes him really successful. And a lot of his colleagues as well, who's known him and who's worked with him, them successful. Because I see the people that he knows and that he's kind of grown up with. And they're all very successful brokers and agents. And it's kind of crazy when you kind of dissect each and every one of them. It's like they all hit this level of success. And it's because they had a similar sort of background as to how they got there. You know, Mm -hmm. like the networking that they did being in the 20s and 30s. They've all got it really. They all had to put in the work. Everybody has to put in the work. There is no. They really did. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like when you see a vineyard that where I live, there's a lot of vineyards, but they take from, you know, first plant, take seven years to get your first bottle of wine. And so you see the results of a guy, you know, (laughs) a person who's put that time in. So, so basically doing everything yourself. So now you have an opportunity. You still work on your own files, if I'm correct. Absolutely. But you also work on some of his files. So now there's like, so your learning is accelerated. And yeah, so yeah. like how many files would you say you're working on it like right now versus before, like just out of curiosity, just so that. I, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so right now, all together between me and the team, I'm working on about 36 files, right. at least 36 files active. <laughs> and then, yeah. yeah, 20 of those, I think 18, 20 of those are mine. Like they're from my network, my realtor partners, new realtor partners that have come in, referrals from friends that have come in. So it's just kind of doubled, right? And it's just kind of this like really wonderful opportunity that like allows me to learn to still find answers on my own, but then have that sort of support from somebody who's a veteran in the industry. (laughs) Right. Okay. So let's do this. So to make this useful Mm -hmm. for our listeners is, so Mm -hmm. if somebody has an opportunity for this, what kind of questions would you want to ask? I have some thoughts on this, but what would you want to ask if there's a mentorship opportunity and you want to still be your own producer. Yeah, I'm curious, what would, yeah. what kind of things did you ask? 
you know, when we were in conversation, I definitely asked him, you know, what is it that he's looking for in somebody? If, you know, the fact that he was like looking for somebody to join his team, what is it that he was looking for? What does that person want to do? And the reason I asked that, and I think that if any one of you had this opportunity should ask that is because you should also know what you would want to do in this industry. Are you more of like an underwriter, right? Because then maybe a more like administrative, you know, position kind of like behind the scenes position would be better. Mm -hmm. But I was very clear from the get-go that I still want to be in the front lines. I still, still want to do the sales or the planning. The, the, Absolutely. The, yeah. the relationship building. I was like, I need that. I really thrive on the relationship building of the business, right? So, you know, I really did make that clear from the get-go. So I think that's something that, you know, you should definitely evaluate with yourself and then ask, you know, what is it that that person is looking for and see if it aligns with you as a person, as a professional. Does it align with your future goals? Does it align with how you work, right? The reason that you enter this business, mm -hmm. everybody enters this business as self-employed, right? So you kind of have to just think back, take a step back and just look at your overall plan and, you know, what it is that you want to do and make sure that you stick to that, right? Don't ever like diverge yeah, from yeah. that plan, from that goal of yours. Make sure that everything that you're going to do from that point on is to lead you to that bigger picture. Right. Okay. A mm -hmm. couple of things I think that you mm -hmm. do someone, obviously, can I work on my own files? So obviously, if you're working on 18 or 20 of your own anyway, so that's good. Yeah. Second is, what role do you need me to fill? Is it sales? Is it underwriting? Is it both? Is it mm -hmm. like getting clear on? And then you know what you want. Like you need to know. Yes. It wasn't like you were just taking an underwriting job where you're like, and that's nothing yeah. wrong with that, but you're very people oriented. So it's like yeah. you wanted to have that. And then is there a values alignment? So like what kind of alignment do you have in values? And then yeah. are you going in the same direction? Like it sounds like with this particular opportunity, Ron has a lot of a similar clients, so he's going to have a depth mm -hmm. of knowledge and experience yeah. and it's something you want to learn. So you really yeah. couldn't have found a better situation, mm -hmm. right, for you. Yeah, and believe me, I mean, I thought about the fact that, you know, if I were to close, like I calculated everything, you know, <laughs> I put it down on paper because obviously one of the things that you and I worked on with your program is, you know, where did you want to be, right, at the end, right? It's that whole goal setting. It's like how much volume did you want to hit? And mm -hmm. from that, you can kind of calculate how much you can make on your own, right? If you were to hit. And that was the key word for me. It's that if I were to hit. The other question to that is, when am I going to hit that, right? If I wanted to do like 100 million on my own, when would I hit that? Depending on the amount of work that I'm willing to put in or that you're willing to put in as an agent, right? So I was like, okay, initially my goal was I want to be able to close like 100 million on my own. Yeah. I was like, it's going to take me years to get there probably. And this is how much I could earn. But here's where I'm lacking. It's the experience. It's the knowledge for now. Yeah. And for me, this was the best trade-off I could probably do in my career right now. Because since joining him around November last year, up until this point, I have probably tripled at least the knowledge and the experience that I've had. You know, if somebody were to ask me about construction loans or private lenders, B deals and all that, like... I'd be confident enough to answer them unlike I was last year. Right. Um, and I actually seek out those clients now. I don't shy away from them anymore because I found like, hey, myself doing I'll that too. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have a question to follow up to that one. Can you think of a file that you would worked on previously that now looking back, you're like, I know exactly how I would solve it. So, cause oh I, I always God. love these yeah. for, for our <laughs> listeners so that they go, Oh, cause it can be hopefully a learning for them. So maybe share a file that, you know, what happened and then how you'd handle it differently. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely one that sticks out. It still kind of stabs me in the heart sometimes when I think about it, but 
that's just me as a person. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it was a refinance. They had purchased the cottage property up in Bracebridge last February, and they bought it cash. And all the transactions were clear. I saw where the money all had come from to purchase that property. There were four applicants. You know, they were family. It was husband and wife and husband and wife. So looking back at it now, it was a very clear file. Mm-hmm. But last year when I was in that file, I was so lost. I was so confused. <laughs> and I was like, how are they going to do this? Because I'm getting asked questions like, oh, it's a cash file. Oh, and they have, you know, I think it was four to five properties all together. And when I reached out to a few people that I knew, you know, I was told that, oh, that's going to be really hard because it's the cash file. It was an assignment deal. It hasn't even been six months and they want to refinance. So it's going to be really sketchy. I even got feedback about, their names that the lenders are going to be very hesitant because of their names. So I was getting all these answers and I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, I didn't get too far with that file. Honestly, I feel absolutely regretful that I couldn't even like get halfway really with the file, but I ended up not being able to close it. But if I get that file now within a week, I'd know definitely where to place it. I would know the right questions to ask. I'd be able to probably submit it this week. You know what I mean? If I had gotten that deal now, that file now. It's, the thing it's is, this is not something you can learn from a book. Like, I just don't think no, it's, it's, you, yeah. you have to see the file. So basically, yeah. you, it was a complex file, cash, like they didn't own it mm-hmm. for a long time, multiple owners. Yeah. And yeah. so just They're think investors. Curious, investors too. <laughs> yes. So where would you think you'd submit this? Just, you know, what would be a lender that would be a fit for this right now? Um, I know this is going to change. Hmm. So if somebody's listening to this in <laughs> six months, it may not be still the case. But like, I'm just curious, what would be your first, you know, lender you'd talk to? You know what? I probably put them with a B lender, if I'm being honest, just because of the amount of properties they also had under their name. I would probably try like B2B, maybe Equitable Bank. But I know with Equitable Bank, I think I brought a refinance to them too. And they had a little bit of the time frame as well. But knowing what I know now, there's you know there are ways you can do things. There's yeah. things, yeah. There's, there's a solution. There are ways So, but it would probably be a B <laughs> option. And at the time, you were like, oh, yeah. Uh, okay, that's good. That's, and that's I was important. so, and I was yeah. so focused on rate too. Like I was so focused on like, oh, I don't want to give them a really high rate. I was so scared to scare people off. Right. But like, <laughs> what I was doing was I was kind of taking my time, and that will repel people even more off than just letting them know, hey, this is what the solutions that I found for you. This is where the rate's at, and it's because of this, right? You're right. less than six months. This is the only solution. You have no choice. Otherwise, you can go to like a private lender if you want. Right. Right. So, and, and so but you're more confident now because before you didn't know because yeah. yeah. you've seen enough files that you've got that. Okay. So what's the best advice you received from your mentor? There's a solution for everything. <laughs> There's a way to get the files done. I mean, you know, he didn't necessarily like say it word for word, but what I get from him is that we have to look at the files from every angle. There's not just one, right? And the other thing too was don't worry about the rates. Like, yes, there are clients that are rate sensitive, but the important part is just show them the solutions. Give them the solutions that we have rather than, you know, behind the scenes saying, oh, I say no a possible solution right away before even presenting it to the client. You just never know how the clients are going to react, right? Right. And investors um, have a and, different psyche for sure than like, yeah, because yes. it's all a math, for, you know, when it's an investment, yes. it's like different. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm making money. Great. Are you freeing up yeah. money? Are you getting the equity that I can use for something else? Yeah. It's all yeah. just the cost of doing business, really. So those yeah. things. And yeah. also, if you can explain why, you know, why mm, that really those important. are the, the products, like they're going to understand. And at the end of the day, they're going to decide whether or not they want to take it or not. 
But most of the time, they're going to know that, you know, this is what we can get because of the situation we're in. You know, we, the important part is you've assessed their situation correctly. You know, you've tried all avenues, you've tried all the angles possible for all those files, and here are the solutions. It's not like I'm handpicking them. It's who's saying yes to these files. Who's saying yes to your situation, right? And then you go to the client, you explain to them, you know, what they are and why. And if there's a little bit of pushback, which normally there would be, it's just a matter of being able to answer those questions, really. Mm -hmm. And the trust. I think the trust with the clients, too, is very important. And that's why that first call for me is key, because it's how I let them know that I'm not working for the bank. I'm not working for, you know, just the money. I'm actually working for you. I want to find you a solution. And I want to understand what your goals are so I can cater to that as well as I'm helping you, you know, invest or refinance here and whatever it is that they want to do. Right. Okay. You've got me some good things thinking here with this. So (laughs) don't give them a what without the why, right? Like Mm -hmm. really, here's the solution. And like, well, Mm -hmm. I don't like that. But if you explain why, most people, if you explain why they go, oh, you know, they did a study once where they had people that were in line. This was back when there's photocopy machines. People were lined up for a photocopy right. machine. Somebody would come up and say, hey, can I jump ahead of you? Right. And most people were like, no, you can't jump ahead of me. But they added the word because. They said, hey, can I copy yeah. these papers because I have six copies? The why didn't even make sense. And people were like, I guess so. And they let them like three to four times more likely because they just had a Go why. With their, sure, I guess, because you yeah. said so. I know that's a, not a yeah. great example for this, but so no, I would love it, you to think of a file though. that you, how would you explain the why? So like you can, you know, strip down the like personal details, but I'd love if I'm a client, let's say you're sitting across from me and it's going to be a different, a B solution or something. How would you explain the why to me? I'd love to hear that. I actually have one right now. Yeah. Okay, I actually sure. have yeah. a client hey, right now. And what's happening is it's now between the husband and wife. <laughs> yeah. So husband and wife having a baby in June. Okay. They currently own the house. What he wanted to do initially was see if he can refinance the current house and maybe buy an investment property or buy a bigger home and maybe have enough to still invest in the property. That was the kind of situation they were in when they came to me. And obviously, the more you dissect it, the more you talk to them, the more you understand what their goals are, the more they get clearer with what it is they're actually looking for. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. you also help them realize what it is that they want. It ended up being that really what the husband wanted was to sell the property and buy a bigger home because their family's growing and because their income's a lot better now. And it's just, you know, it's his dream for his family. Have a bigger home. Why not? (laughs) Nice and simple, right? So, you know, he evaluated everything. I asked for all his income details. I asked for her income details, everything and anything that I needed to make sure that I can assess their files clearly and then ask questions back and forth, had quite a few conversations with him back and forth to clarify his income situation too, because he became self-employed last year. But then at Mm -hmm. the same time, it was with a company that he was working with from a salary standpoint. And then he became like an independent contractor. So there was still kind of that continuity in a way, but at the same time, he incorporated his business and he had contracts with other large clients, large companies Mm -hmm. as an engineer. So I was like, okay, they have really good income this file. And I asked him, okay, well, how much are you looking for? You know, initially I was like, right now I can only get you up to like 900 to 1 million based on your income right now. And I'm still waiting on your bank statements and still waiting on this. Mm-hmm. And then a couple conversations later, he's like, you know what? I really want to hit like 1.5, 1.7. I said, okay, have you looked on MLS? Like, these are the kinds of houses that you're looking at. Like, these are kinds of houses that you want for your family. He's like, yes. So I said, okay, let me work backwards then. Give me like 24 hours. Uh, worked on the numbers. 
and clarified their income even more. I said, you know what? This won't be a necessarily an A deal because he's less than two years self-employed. So I had to pivot. And this is something I would never be able to do last year. I would not have even thought about this last year. I would have been like, I'm stuck. Because I'm thinking A all the time, right? A deal, A deal, prime clients. And I said, okay, let's switch it up. Let me look at the qualifications for B. Where are their programs for stated income? Where are their programs for less than two years business for self, right? And I put in, you know, the purchase price they wanted. I kind of just put 1.6, 1.7, played around the numbers. Saw how much they can get for the house. So I also worked with a realtor and I said, what are the comps for their house right now? Because I want to work with, you know, kind of a median number, but a realistic number. Yeah. So I was working as well as a team with a realtor. Used that, took how much left they had on their mortgage, how much needed to be paid off to see how much they had left when the house yeah. was sold. So I was able to kind of work backwards and say, after a couple of days, I was like, hey, I can get you 1.6, 1.7. It's going to be a B lender though. But you can get the house that you want. And it's going to be for a short period of time. You just need to get one more year under your belt for your business. And by the looks of it right now, you're earning really high income. So I don't see why we yeah. can't refinance you in the next couple of years, right? This is a solution we have for you right now. I can't get you into A for these reasons. One, you know, your wife is under contract under one year. New business, you know, new self-employed. Yeah, new business. Okay, so you, know. you basically, okay, yeah. so I want to get my head clear. So yes. this person comes to you and says, I want an investment property is what they think they yeah. want. Yeah. <laughs> you start asking lots of questions about their goals and turns out what he really wanted was a better property for his family. Bigger house. So then yeah. a bigger house. And so mm -hmm. how did he go from investment property to another house? I'm curious. I have some thoughts on what happened, but like, how did he make the jump? Like, yeah. I'm curious. Obviously he was still having conversations with his realtor. And yeah. I guess I would assume that one of that conversation was about pre-construction. Yeah. And I think that's where he kind of felt, you know what? I don't need to rush with an investment property right now. I have a baby coming. I can invest in a pre-con that's maybe closing in the next two to three years. So that kind of got put in the back burner. And when I also told him what his pre-approval was with selling his house and buying, you know, an investment property, it wasn't where he wanted it to be. Right. It wasn't. So he's like, okay, well, how can I get to this number? So then that kind of made him say, okay, you know what? My family comes first. I can always do a pre-con anyway. He's got money in the bank as well. He's not just banking on the sale of his property. These guys have got savings and has the capital in the bank. So reality is they can sell and buy their house now. They can probably invest in a pre-con as well without having to worry about the right, two right. really connecting right now, right? You know, it ended up being that every time I had a phone call with him, it was like, yeah, I want to sell my house and buy a bigger one. I want to sell a house right. and buy a bigger one. I said, you know, it sounds like this is what you want. Is that fair? Or, you know, do you need to talk to your wife about it? Like, maybe you should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an important conversation to have. <laughs> But while you're doing that, let me find you the solutions. Here's solution A, which is, you know, sell your home, buy an investment property. This is how much you can get pre-approved for, for the next house, right? But if you really wanted your 1.5 to 1.7 million home, this is where we're at. And these are the reasons why, right? Less than two years, if you want to use your income. Right. For so, yeah, okay. Business. So I love this. So the whole point of this is that if you can explain why to people, you build yeah. trust. And so in this case, you still are able to get them what they want, but- you just yeah. need, to, need to understand the why. And what's interesting when I ask people about something that they want, and then they say, I want an investment property. Why is an investment yeah. property important to you? Then they say, well, I want to do this. Mm -hmm. There's this exercise called seven levels deep where you ask why seven times. And it's really hard mm -hmm. to do for yourself, but somebody else, and you actually get to the root of what the real thing is. Yeah. So 
our job, and it sounds like you're very good at this, and I believe our job as a mortgage broker is not just, yeah. we're not taking orders like fries. You don't want fries with that mm -hmm. order. Here's your like, you know, combo one, two, yeah. three. It's like, ask questions, figure out what yeah. they need, and then present solutions to them. Because yeah, that's where we add tons of value. So it sounds yeah. like you've really got that dialed in. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? What's funny is the husband's ready to move forward now. Now he's trying to talk his wife about the whole, you know, not comfortable with the rates right now and the B lender. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I told him, I said, listen, let me talk to your wife. <laughs> right. I was like, I'm the mortgage broker. I can explain it properly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Think, Get both of you on the phone and yeah. if you can. But in any case, yeah. so that's really good. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds to me, Isabel, like you've, you know, found an amazing opportunity, you know, sort of yeah. mentorship model that you've gone into. If yeah. you had to give somebody any advice, a little last kind of question on this, what would be your advice mm -hmm. to someone who is considering doing something like this? A mentorship program, I guess. Yeah, or a mentorship like opportunity. Yeah. Again, this is not going to yeah. happen. You're not going to get a hundred of these. So you got to evaluate them mm -hmm. and then determine if it makes sense. But what would your advice be to somebody who is considering doing something like this? Right now, what I would say is think about what you can get out of that opportunity. Don't think about the money because obviously being self-employed, you know, when you think about being a realtor, it's like you get the big bucks when you sell a house or whatever, right? So for me, it was really about how much faster can you get to your goal? Yeah, that's a um, great way to think about know, it. Like how much faster yeah. are you learning? Now yeah. that you have plugged Compared into that to network, doing this on you your have own. more confidence. Yeah. You're going to close more of your own files because your confidence yeah. is higher. You're going to be like, I know oh, how to get this sure. done. So like yeah. everything accelerates because of yeah. this key you know, opportunity yeah. relationships. So yeah. and I money think it's is like, only one you know, part of the solution. It's only yes, one part of the equation. Yes. Exactly. And in this industry, I think it's really about knowing where to find the answers, right? If you can get that from somebody side by side, take it. Right. Because that level of knowledge and experience that they will bring to you will shorten the path that you would have taken on your own to get to where they were. Right. right. My broker has over 10 years of experience ahead of me. I'm retaining all of that right now in my first year. I have probably done one to two deals in every kind of scenario up to this point. And I'm still learning. There's still so much to learn. And last year I was taking one by one. You know, I was yeah. like, oh, how do I do a refinance? It was like piecemeal. Right. But now I'm getting everything all at once. I'm literally in the mix live. Live deals, not past deals, mm -hmm. but live deals. I'm talking to clients, you know, I'm making the mistakes along the way, but not drastic mistakes where <laughs> it's yeah. going to affect the client, but you're making the mistakes where you're picking yourself back up because you've got that mentor who's teaching you at the same time while you're also learning on your own. So I think it's about as a new agent, what do you know up to this point, but what else can you learn from that person? And if it's right. a bigger trade-off, then whatever the amount of commission or income that you want to make, or you think you're going to make, take that opportunity. Honestly, right. it's priceless. Right. People don't, pay a hundred thousand. Oh, totally. Are you paying for mentorship? You know, mentorship. Yeah, yeah. I've spent, you know, the most expensive coaching program I was in cost me a hundred thousand dollars for a year. And uh, oh it, I was still, it was worth it. it. Like, it sounds crazy. You know, right? the time like yeah. it was absolutely worth it for where I was at yeah. that stage. So don't just think about what you will earn, but what you will learn, right? With this opportunity. Yeah. yeah. You know, I like that. Yeah. I was thinking, <laughs> I was writing notes on you talking. I'm like, I'm writing notes. But okay. Yeah. So, last kind of thought I have on this is that I don't know if you know, or maybe you heard about this, but maybe this isn't happening now because of COVID, but there's Uber X. So, Uber X is where, mm. let's say I'm going somewhere and you can go, hey, do you want to share your ride with somebody? They're going in the same general direction. 
and it's cheaper. So I was in San Francisco, this was five years ago or so. And I'm like, what is yeah. this? You know, what sorcery <laughs> is this? And so I look at the thing and I'm like, so it's cheaper. I was going like halfway across, you know, the Bay area. So I click it, see yeah. the guy, picks somebody up, picks me up. So we're sitting there with this other person. It's like, Hey, how's it going? And then yeah. I was like, this is cool. It was like, we were both heading in the same direction anyway. And yeah. I think of a lot of times with this mentorship, you and this Gibson guy, you're going in the same mm-hmm. direction. He's on the path you want to be. He's just further ahead. So when yes, it makes sense, absolutely. hey, why don't we share a ride? Look, there's, you know, there's benefit for both of you. And then I always think about a lot of partnerships this way. And if at some point one of you goes in another direction, that's okay. Nobody said oh, yeah. that these are like forever permanent, permanent things. Permanent. Yeah. But it's like, exactly. hey, we're going in the same direction. Why not both of us have a benefit to this? And so it's kind of like UberX, yeah. but it might be because of COVID, it may have shut that down because you're getting yeah. in the car with strangers. So I don't know. If <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know either. I haven't really taken UberX or Uber. You, you know you're cheap. You know partner. you're cheap when I'm trying to share a ride. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to share a share a ride, right? Like so, like, but it was like half the price. Yeah. Like, it was like you know, if it would yeah. cost me twenty dollars to go from A to B, it was like ten. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'll share a yeah. ride, or maybe it cost me twelve. I was like, dang, because I had no time frame. I need to be there. So, okay, so. Yeah. Isabel, always love yeah. chatting with you. And, you know, you I will have you back on again at some point, you know, maybe six months or a year sure. from now. Like, what are you doing yeah. now, Isabel? You'd be like, oh, my gosh, you're not going to believe it. Because I love yeah. your energy and your enthusiasm mm-hmm. and just this whole path you're on right now of, you know, with a yeah. mentor and what that's doing. Yeah. I think it's super cool. And, yeah, yeah it's awesome. So and where can people find yeah, you if they're looking for you? And, yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. No, you guys can find me on Instagram. I'm mainly on Instagram. I haven't posted in a while just because we're waiting on a couple things to finish with the branding. But I'm on Instagram all the time and my website and as well, Facebook. So you can find me there. I'm also on LinkedIn, but uh, you know, if you can spell my name, you should be able to find me. <laughs> right. But plus you click on this podcast, you will have yeah, your show exactly. notes. You can click, you can find it as well. So if I may say just one more thing as well, if you do find yourself in a position where there is this opportunity to be mentored by somebody and you feel like you might be trading off too much more of your time, you might be trading off a potential income. Think about the number of people that you're also going to meet in that journey, because these veterans in the industry, they know the right people. Mm -hmm. And as a mentee, you're going to end up meeting those people as well. And you're going to learn from those people. So there's a really large trade-off, but it's going to pay off. And I think, you know, one thing to make sure of yourself is be ready to learn, right? You may have learned things beforehand. A certain way you may have learned rules and policies but if you ever come across an opportunity like this be a beginner again really just open your ears just listen to what they have to say ask questions if you're unsure just ask the questions because i used to be scared to ask questions and just be ready to learn as if you just entered the industry because there is so much to learn from industry veterans like gron really yeah. and the beginner's priceless. mind i think they call it martial arts it's like yeah when you get a black yeah. belt, you start over again and you're like, okay, yeah. you know, and so I totally agree. And plus, yeah. it's so dynamic that even if you think you knew, you might be wrong anyway. You give yourself oh, a, yeah. the opportunity <laughs> to be wrong because it could have changed. Yeah. And you're like, oh, dang. And so yeah. don't be Just quite be a sponge, so, really. Be a sponge, That's what yeah. it is. Just be a sponge again. No matter how many years you've been here. Like, I was confident in myself learning everything on my own. But honestly, there were a lot of things that I was like, wow all right, I'm going to take a step back. I'm just going to follow this path. I'm just going to listen. I'm going to ask the questions. If I'm unsure about something, if I think I know something, just ask anyway. Yeah. It doesn't hurt to ask. (laughs) Thanks, Isabel. Good chat with you. You're welcome, Scott. You too. Thanks, Scott. 
Hey, thanks again for having to listen to this conversation I have with Isabel. If you're new and you're like, man, I, you know, I'd love to figure out how to get my business going. Go check out rookie to rockstar.ca. I call it the Picasso of training. I've been doing training for the last five years in terms of programs that I've developed. And it is the absolute best program. Everything is laid out step by step. We have this hundred day challenge shows you exactly what to do as a new agent to get your business going and make it scalable. Check out rookie to rockstar.ca. In this upcoming conversation, Ruben and I talk about the importance of finding your tribe. Hey, Ruben, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, great to be here again. Thanks for having me. So, hey, today's topic we were going to chat about was finding your tribe, that whole idea of an ideal customer, something that I've been doing a lot of thinking about as well. So why don't we jump into that? Explain to me what you mean by finding your tribe. When you're building a business, one of the lessons I've learned, I'm on my second company now, and a lot of times, you know, we focus on, you know, our product, what we're selling, our pitch, who we're selling it to. But oftentimes we forget this whole concept of, What's that persona of that perfect customer or perfect partner look like? And what I mean by that is really kind of drilling down on who are you best serving? So let's face it, like every business in the world, even some of the largest and most successful businesses, they're not for everybody. They fulfill a certain niche, they fulfill a certain demographic of a customer, but they're never focused on, hey, we're going to add value and we're going to make everybody our customer. And I found just through experience, finding and learning who your ideal customer is and how you add value and what they like about you, what they love about you is the most ideal way to build your book of business and build your partnerships and your referral channels and so on. Well, you can create efficiencies, you know, you can create a better customer experience. There's a whole bunch of things you can do when you get really clear on your ideal customer, or some people call it an avatar. So just out of curiosity, so with Deeded, how would you define your ideal customer? That's my first question. Second question is, has it changed at all since you guys launched, you know, not that long ago? And yeah, that's my two questions. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll answer the second question first. So when we first launched, you've essentially got, you know, fairly new offering out to the market, fairly new product. So the best way to test it out is I always say, go and have hundreds of conversations, if not thousands, talk to people, don't hold back your ideas. At the end of the day, ideas are cheap and the execution is what really matters. But, you know, share your idea with as many people who you think might be your, you know, potential customers or partners down the road. That's sort of a bit of a reverse learning experience, because I think what you learn through that is what you really don't see as your customer. So you're starting to get yeah. some answers that you're saying, well, you know what, that person is never going to see value based on what we offer because we just don't offer that type of value. So just to give you an example of what we've kind of learned over time is our ideal, say, mortgage broker that we love working with has a primary focus on delivering a really, really great and memorable experience to their client to the point that their clients rave about them to the point that their clients are putting in five-star Google reviews to the point that their business eventually, you know, stops marketing altogether and becomes just a, a sheer referral business. And that's where we found we can add the most value in terms of really helping them orchestrate kind of the last mile or the tail end of that experience. Right. I agree with you on that. You know, Dan Sullivan, my coach, always says to test your ideas on check writers. So the idea is that you go find people who are actually, if you get clear on your ideal customer, because getting feedback, like you said, talk to hundreds of people. But as you probably discover, talking to hundreds of people, some of them are like, we're just not in alignment. I can imagine somebody who's like, all they're trying to do is save $50 on their legal fees. And they don't really give a rip about the experience. They don't care if it's more difficult for the client. Like we're not saying that, but if that is your primary focus, you're not 
in alignment with somebody who's about customer experience because it shouldn't be about $50. It's about what creates a great experience for the client. It's always long-term thinking so that they tell their friends and their family and everybody else to come back to you, right? My business partner, Jules, I call it like a no prospecting loan process, which means her process is so good that she doesn't have to prospect like, and she can't keep up. And so that comes down to focusing on customer experience. And so you've got clear on this. And so, okay, if you say that for you guys, people who have a really primary focus on customer experience, like how do you identify those people or have you figured out a way to identify them? Have you like, you know, characterize them or something? I'd be interested to hear that. Again, there's several ways and it all comes from learning. So for us, it's always been kind of learn what you don't want first so that you can, of course, hone in the mm -hmm. craft of what you're really looking for. And some stuff is public. Again, like if you're a mortgage broker, and you're out there prospecting, for example, you know, for realtors that might be a good fit with your business and your mantras, customer experience. Obviously, you know, you'd call that realtor that has, you know, 100 five-star Google reviews as opposed to the one that has, you know, only a handful of reviews and they're all twos and threes, right? So right off the bat, there's signals. We believe heavily in really building a relationship. It's not just a matter of, hey, look at us. We're great. Use us. We want to partner with you. There's got to be as I mentioned, synergies in a relationship where we're both winning. There's a winning value proposition. There's an open dialogue. And you know, the last thing we do that I think is fairly unique, at least in our industry, is constantly seek feedback. Even if things are great, it's about having a chat and debriefing on a few transactions or perhaps, you know, doing it every quarter and just learning and being very open around, like I always say, like, tell me the good, tell me the bad, but I really want to hear the ugly because that's how we continuously evolve our relationship and make sure that we're continuously adding value. Okay. I love this idea. And I actually think anybody listening, so if you're a mortgage broker talking to your clients using this exact same model of tell me the good, the bad, and the ugly about your recent experience with us, can you give me an example of something that in those conversations you discovered and then you were able to go and make it a process improvement? Just because again, it helps be concrete for people. Can you think of something? Yeah, absolutely. So as you know, Scott, one of the things that we offer uniquely is really the transparency to a transaction. So if you haven't seen our product before, essentially, you know, as a mortgage broker, you know exactly what's happening with your client's closing at any given time so that you're in control and you don't need to pick up the phone and kind of be that nanny between the lawyer, the title company and your client. And uh, one of the things that we sort of assumed in the beginning is that every single broker wants that visibility. They want the email every single time there's some sort of movement out of the file or an issue and so on. And that was a bit of a misnomer. That was actually a lesson learned that some brokers are very, very, you know, A-type detail oriented. They want every email and they'll ask you for even more. Some just say, look, you know, as long as everything's going well, don't bring me into it. I don't want to know. But if there's an issue, bring me into the situation so I can resolve it. So that allows us to basically, you know, take the same product, but we're able to tailor it to the individual's preferences. So for us, it was as simple as having a communication preference. So when you set up your profile with Deeded, we'll say, hey, Scott, do you want to be alerted by email or text or none? How do you want to be communicated with when it comes to some of the closings that we're doing together? And that was, again, big lesson learned. And people love that crafted approach. Um, right. Again, same product, but just totally different experience. Yeah, but it's customized to them. So just out of curiosity, so what percentage of your people would you say use none versus email or text? I think it depends, again, on the profile and preferences. Some of our folks have pretty extensive back offices and assistants, so they turn that traffic or that communication to somebody else. Maybe it's about 80-20, 80% want to be notified, want to be in the loop, whether they action or not, and maybe 20% just 
probably, you know, don't want to know or want less communication because they're focused on something else, maybe prospecting additional business, et cetera. Okay. That's interesting. Well, wrap up this whole idea of finding your tribe. I always find it funny when a mortgage broker says, I specialize in, you know, commercial, second mortgages, private mortgages, investment properties, first time. I'm like, you're not specializing. That's like saying I specialize in plumbing, electrical, drywall, painting. It's like, no, dude, you're like probably no good at any, like you're probably okay at all those things, but you're not excellent. If you've ever seen somebody do drywall that just does that, you know, 50 hours a week, they are fast. Right. And you are not going to keep up to them. And so I think it comes down to the same thing. The more focused you get, I always say, aim small to grow big. The more you focus on your ideal customer, it just makes it easy for you, easy for them to find you. You stand out in all the noise. And for you guys, I totally agree. Customer experiences, and it's something I've been preaching for years because ultimately mortgage brokers will have the same rate. Like literally, you could talk to me, you could talk to Bob, Sally, whoever. Our rates are the same. So our competitive advantage I think has to be customer experience, unless you want to build a high volume rate shop like Ron Butler, no offense, Mr. Butler. So if that's your focus, then what you guys have provided is a perfect example or a perfect product. If it's not, then you're probably not a right fit, right? So how would we wrap this up? So somebody thinking about mortgage broker, you know, the idea of finding their tribe. Yeah, I think in general, whether if it's your first week in the business or it's your 10th year in the business, there's always a need to have that understanding and have your filter. There's a saying out there that I've subscribed to for years. And it says like, sometimes the best deal you've done is the one that you just walked away from. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very hard to digest because look, we're all in sales. We all, you know, know that the next deal might be the one that puts food on the table or pays our own mortgage. Right. But sometimes it's just, it's not meant to be, it's not the right fit. And the criteria really is like, are you adding value? Is there a win-win from every relationship, be it, you know, long-term or be it even working together on a transaction. So finding your tribe and even going through that exercise in your mind and say, look, here's my last 10 deals. Here's the ones that went really well. Here's the ones that, gosh, I wish I never did. Yeah. I wish I never saw, I never heard from this person. Yeah. I totally agree. Right. Okay. It's awesome. So if you guys are listening to this, check out dita.ca. I know you guys have been growing like crazy. And if your focus as a mortgage broker is customer experience, I think you guys would be a good fit. If it's something else, you know, maybe you're not a good fit. So check them out, dita.ca. Ruben, always good to chat with you, brother. We'll be seeing you in the next Ask the Experts. Likewise, Scott. Great to be here. Thanks again. Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode with Isabel and Reuven. And if you're listening to this and you want to improve your mortgage business, I got one thing you can go do right now, totally free, is go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com and set up a free power search account. It allows you to keyword search all of our past podcast episodes. You can search things like realtor and first time buyer and, you know, buy down and any keyword you can think of. And it'll take you to every moment in conversations where myself and some of these amazing experts and brokers are talking and sharing. And I guarantee you, you'll find lots of gold nuggets. Go check that out. And thanks again for being a listener. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.